size doesn't matter to me. Like, you can't just have a huge thing. Like, it has to come with the experience, with the expectations that is needed. You know, like, you're coming to give the full, um, <clears throat> the full package, but not just, like, yeah, I have a huge thing, so that should be enough. I've seen lots of penises because I went to boarding school and it's open showers. But the general impression that I have is that, like, I'm fine. So that means I'm either average or above average. Um, but I've seen bigger. So look, it, it, it packs light and it rises to the occasion. I mean, that's all you could ever ask of a good dick. Sometimes the penis seems to be like a to have for me I feel like penises are just overrated and I mean it's cool but you know a clitoris has twice the number of nerve endings that a penis has it's not as pleasurable an instrument as it seems like people make it out to be okay before you collectively groan not another conversation about penises Let's be real, we can't have a first season of this podcast without going below the belt. Welcome to Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women. My name is Nanada Kwasichiyama. And I'm your girl, Malika Grant. Yes, this episode is all about dicks and masculinity. It's inspired by all the posts on our adventures blog about penis size and performance. Let me just say, when we started off exploring dicks in this episode, we thought we knew. I mean, between Nana and I, we believed we had enough experience under our waist beads. But alas, we had no idea. So I'm glad we're having this conversation. I think the interest in dicks is because in our conservative society, with its binary views on gender, so much of what it means to be a man in terms of identity is tied to the penis. To be quite honest, for as long as we've known, the penis has been the holy grail of manhood. I totally agree. The symbol of strength, virility, and of course, power! <laughs> <laughs> In order to unpack this, we talked to cis and trans men, as well as a gender non-conforming person, about their relationships with their penises and strap-ons. To get a sense of the fears and feelings they have, and to bust up some notions about masculinity. <laughs> bust up. <laughs> so strap up, because in this episode, we are diving right in. And as you know, Nana took her role seriously as our girl in the streets to get all the juice Wow, Malaika. Just wow. Strap, diving, mm -hmm. street, mm -hmm. juice. Mm -hmm. You really outdid yourself there. I'm really trying to be sorry, but I'm not. I'm, I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> I'm always proud of you too, baby. I'm very protective of my penis. We have a great relationship. Um, and like I say, I say to him all the time, you're good. I mean, look, it does what I need it to do. I can pee, I can I can enjoy myself, I can masturbate, I can have babies. I mean, what else do I want from it? Ni Aikwe Parks is a writer, editor, producer, 
and, as he describes himself, a general dreamer. His healthy attitude to his penis goes back to his childhood. We were very unselfconscious. We played around naked. We ran around the house naked. I mean, quite frankly, we had parents who used to walk around the house naked. Nakedness was not a big deal. Um, but I also realized our family was unconventional. You, know, you knew my father, so mm -hmm. he was not your typical Ghanaian man. And I am certainly not your typical Ghanaian man. I remember Nee's dad fondly, and he definitely wasn't a stereotypical Ghanaian man. But what does that mean, actually? Just the whole notion of just the way people approach women, all of that stuff, because I was told very early the importance of consent and the importance of pleasure for women and stuff like that. So I didn't grow up with the mythology of, oh, you're going to break somebody type of thing. I mean, growing up, for us women, sex education was encapsulated in one sentence. If a boy touches you, you will get pregnant. And so you know anything about our sexual awareness went downhill from there. <laughs> in many ways, our vaginas were a curse from the gods. That could cause our lives to end at any sudden moment, once compromised by an unsuspecting penis. So I wanted to know, what Nee was told about the importance of pleasure when he was a child. I think when I was about eight or something like that, we, when we first started to talk about sex a lot, my father just said to us, if you ever want to have sex, come and ask me for condoms. Wow. I think that was psychological you know, play with him because we were put off the idea for about four years straight because <laughs> the whole idea that you would have to go and ask your father for a condom <laughs> and have this premeditated path <laughs> was just it was too much <laughs> it was you know um but at that point he also said you have to understand that sexual intercourse is not just about ejaculation mm. you know you you're supposed to have fun mm. because a lot of people taught sex as a way to have children mm -hmm. but we certainly weren't taught that my male bestie Kobana and graham a writer dj and lecturer also remembers when he became aware of the pleasures of sex and started to connect that to his penis. It wasn't until secondary school that I remember thinking a lot more about kind of penis and pleasure and masturbation and sexuality and all of those kinds of things. Um, I remember the first time I came, I actually remember that. And then I also remember um, starting to be actually aroused by certain images. So I remember there was a picture that Madonna had once where she was serving her breasts on a tray. And I remember that doing it for me um, back then and kind of humping my bed to that picture. Yeah, so I, I guess it's around secondary school that I started to associate my penis with like, pleasure. A pleasure tool. I like the sound of that. I know, right? But Nia Equipax warns against thinking it's the only tool when it comes to sex. Well, I mean, sexual encounter is not just about penetration. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I say to any young man who comes and asks me about it is you have to remember this is a whole big body that you're trying to pleasure. And if you think your little dick is what's going to do all of that, then you are misguided. And so it's not something I worry about. Unless the person is 
so intent on you have to be inside me, then I don't see that as a problem. Mm. Because also you have to understand that, you know, a, a dick, as much as people might think it is, is not a machine, mm-hmm. right? If you're not in the right mood, if you're not in the right space, you, you just might be on some emotional journey that doesn't allow you. And you have to be able to embrace that. Mm. But if that's what's going to define your happiness in a sexual encounter, then you're never going to be happy. I'm not a very big fan of using my penis. Kafwi, a creative director and writer who describes themselves as an artivist, says that most of the people they have sex with are heterosexual women. I identify as non-binary, but I understand, um, especially because of where we are, that I will be read as a man. Coming into their identity as a gender non-conforming person, Kafui finds traditional preconceptions can get in the way. There's the idea that sex happens to a woman, and um, I find myself often not necessarily wanting it that way, just because, to me, it, it ends up ruining the sexual experience for me when it seems like that's the goal. Whereas there's a lot of things that are considered foreplay that I find extremely gratifying. But other people would say oral sex, for example, doesn't constitute sex. So it's all leading up to. And that's something I find uncomfortable. And um, once I realize I'm in a situation where that is the case, I sort of find myself tuning out because then it means we're not really enjoying everything else, enjoying the process. Um, and there's a there's a goal. I think of what people call foreplay as main play. Like this is the more fun part of things. I wish more people felt like they didn't need to rush through it. Kafui says some partners react pretty badly when they realize the D is not necessarily going to come out to play in a sexual encounter. I was making out with somebody and I thought it was going really well. It seemed like it was going really well for the person as well. And then there was a movement towards my penis. And I just mentioned that, oh, I don't think that I'd be comfortable with that, at least in that moment. I mean, it wasn't a kind thing the person said. Um, The person basically said, what do I mean? And what's the point of us continuing if that's not what's going to happen? I'm like, oh, I mean, that can happen, but just not right now. And I think they took it personally. They thought they were doing something wrong. And I was just trying to explain that that wasn't what was happening. And it moved from them thinking they were doing something wrong to them basically saying there was something wrong with me. Well, it's taken some time, but Kafui is now upfront about sexual expectations. Now I have those conversations. They are uncomfortable sometimes, but I, I think they're conversations to be had. Before, I did not. Um, I wasn't as confident in who I, who I am now. And I just always felt like I had to play the role. Um, but I must admit, um, how do I put this? I, I was always looking for what, I was, what would make me useful to people. And at the time, it seemed like, oh, if you're able to use your penis properly, um, you would have use in whatever encounters that you have. So there are, there are people who I have had interactions with who did not know and it's not their fault is me not saying and they having you know obviously they have the assumptions you know most people with penises will want to have penetrative sex 
and I didn't say anything at the time because it's I I found myself thinking okay that made me useful, um, but in recent times I've been more vocal about it. Um, it's a it's sometimes an uncomfortable situation to have when you are talking to heterosexual um, women. Um, it's an easier conversation to have. I found talking to queer women um, or people who identify as queer, non-binary folk. Um, just I, f- I find that people who are in the in the community in that community are more understanding. Yeah, so I have that conversation now. Kafwe's relationship with their penis goes back to boarding school when they even had a nickname. So in my house, I was called LD, um, which I found out later was short for long dick. To me, I didn't see why that was the case. But I guess, um, you know, being in the bathroom with um, people with penises, I would bathe and I would peep then I would understand. So, yeah. It's almost impossible to discuss penises without talking about sizes and comparisons. A question women are often asked is that ubiquitous, does size really matter? Well, this time around, the men get to give us their view. I typically don't like huge dicks. It's a lot of work. Like, a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because sometimes you don't even know what to do with it. This is Mo, an LGBTI rights activist from Ghana. And mostly men with huge dicks, they don't even know how to use it. They don't. So it makes it very messy, the whole encounter. <laughs> so, so yeah, I I have an oath against huge dicks. So no, no. And it hurts. Yeah, no matter how lubed up you are, it's, it's really hurt. I think it it takes a lot of energy and strength. And I don't have that. (laughs) And rightfully so, my brother. Pleasure, not pain. Nana also got into it with her bestie, Kobana. How do you feel about the size of your penis? Because I feel like on adventures, this is a really popular topic, right? Um, For some people, sorry, when I say for some people, usually this has been like opinions expressed by women contributors, you know? Um, size is really important, girth is important, length is important. I'm wondering how do you feel about the size of your penis and have you ever like compared the size of your penis to other to other men or boys? Definitely. <laughs> so my late younger brother had a bigger penis than me. And I remember this from um, I think I must have been in sixth form and he was in fifth form and we're sharing a room. And we're boys, and I've never thought myself small, but his penis is definitely bigger than mine. And so it's not the type of thing that comes up in conversation, but then it's definitely something that comes up in the imagination when like the door to his room is closed and he's in there with his girlfriend and I'm hearing pleasure <laughs> coming out of the room. Um, yeah, so I think that was the first time I, I compared sizes with anybody. And how do you feel when you see bigger? Do you think, oh, I wish I had a bigger dick? Not necessarily. I have empathy. (laughs) So I've seen bigger before, and it really depends on on the penis. I can think of one person I've dated in particular who I, I can't quite explain it, but I think my penis was the perfect size for her vagina. 
and she would respond accordingly in a way that I've never seen anything like that in any relationship before or after. Yeah. I suppose as one grows older and becomes more self-aware, size really isn't everything. And perhaps one's masculinity isn't so attached to the appearance or its size. Kobe shares his thoughts. There's this article that keeps floating to the top of the BBC's most read thing once every couple of years about how Indian men are supposedly, they have the smallest sizes in the world. And I've always reflected about that because I'm kind of like, so then maybe that's why they have the Kama Sutra. And so they don't seem to have any problems in that department because you literally have this like manual of pleasure. Um, and so maybe it's not simply to do with size. But if you could buy your own penis, what size would it be? Malaika, did you know that a strap-on can fill you? Ah, no, no, how? It's a strap-on. <laughs> you control it. I mean, how? <laughs> well... JL, an African-American trans man and activist, has some advice from his first strap-on experience, which he says wasn't great. Ah, shit. The first, like some cheap knockoff shit. I was like 14 or something, 13, some cheap knockoff, something you see at one of the adult stores, like in San Francisco. Um, (laughs) The strap (laughs) barely worked. Um, You had to pretty much hold it together and tie it in a knot on the side. And hold the dick with your hand. Um, but shit, at that age, you were trying to do what you needed to do to make shit happen for you. So <laughs> it worked. But now I would say, um, if I was to give advice to someone, it would be like to buy something that fits secure for you, that can be washed on a regular basis. So something that could either be washed by hand, never dried in the machine. Um, if it's leather, then you need to get leather cleaning kits to properly clean it correctly. Um, but for me, the most comfortable is like a fabric that could be washed and cleaned and that's sturdy and also um, be flexible to like changing of sizes. So for the purposes of this particular episode, we're thinking of dicks in expansive ways. So with that understanding in mind, what does it mean to you to have a dick? It's more than just like standing to piss or like the power that comes behind, you know, being born with a dick. It's more like I'm seeing it as like a tool of engagement, (laughs) (laughs) pleasure, fun, um, all those type of things. Less of um, this whole, I need to have all the machismo. To me, that's not important. As a feminist, it doesn't even come into my mind of like possibilities. So to me, it's all about pleasure, enjoyment, playing, Um, all the good things that come about it. So that's for me, if we're talking about the D. And Nia Ikue Parks also takes a view that it's time to descend on the D in general, which is what we've been saying for a while. Like our very first live festival was oh, called well, Descent in the D. Decentralize the D. <laughs> I say this to people. I think that if that's all you're going to think about, then your sex life is going to be impoverished. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I think I think this is why some men are so hostile towards lesbians, for instance, because they think that their dick is the magic stick Mm -hmm. of sex. It's like if there's no dick, then there's no sex. And, And I think it's actually harmful to teach kids that sex is penetration because a lot of sexual abuse doesn't get reported 
just because people think if there's no penetration, there's no sex. Um, you know, so there's there's a whole lot of problematic issues that go hand in hand with censoring the dick all the time. Talking about dicks and masculinity sparked need to reflect on a difficult personal experience. I was once um, sexually assaulted by a man, mm -hmm. right? And um, I remember starting to ask the questions that sometimes I, I now realize that women must ask themselves when, you know, people make ad unwanted advances on them. Because I started to ask myself if I'd done something to attract it, if it was my fault. And those kinds of things can make you question what masculinity is because my first reaction was I was going to beat him up, right? And then I stopped myself because I'm like, what does it prove if I beat him up? It doesn't do anything. But in, in the aftermath, and for years, you know, I did ask myself what I did to kind of attract that if I was not masculine enough. But this is all kind of within the construct of masculinity because as I was asking myself the question, I was also remembering that I was raised by a father who taught me to cry. So it's like, what masculinity are you trying to aspire to? And why should this event make you question everything in your life? Thank you for sharing that with Thank us, you. Me. Yes. And Nee says that as an African man living in London, the way he thinks about his own masculinity shifts in different spaces. I always say to people, you know, when I fly to Ghana and I step off the plane, I literally feel a weight mm -hmm. lift because I don't have to ask myself as many questions when I'm walking down yeah. the road. And and that's just the reality. You know, I, I'm not a particularly big man, but when I walk down the street, I can see that people perceive me as a threat. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I've been conscious of since I came back to England as a, as a student. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also conscious that, you know, in terms of, even sexual partners sometimes, you know, you meet somebody in a bar and the way they perceive you is a particular way and you have to kind of deconstruct that um, or disassemble it before things move beyond just talking because that can come with its own problems. Yeah. Sometimes you're, you think you're in a relationship and you're actually being a trophy in a way that that would not happen in Ghana. Mm -hmm. You know, so there are all kinds of little things that come into play because masculinity is not just what you are and how you perceive yourself, it's how society perceives mm. you. And I think black males in the West, our masculinity is heightened just by the, the fact of our, our skin color, whether we want it or not. And a part of that heightened masculinity is an expectation that black men are good in bed. Something I have heard amongst my male friends a lot is the dreaded performance anxiety, like basically, dick, don't fail me now. And as much as I'm stifling a giggle, it is also a very sensitive topic. As always, Nana was up to the task with the intimate line of questioning with her BFF, Kobina. I want to know, have you ever, or rather, not have you ever, because I feel like this must happen to like lots of guys. But what do you do if you're having sex with someone and you can't get hard or you can't maintain a hard on? Um, huh. That's actually happened to me before. I can think of a few times, actually. Uh, the first time in particular, she talked a very good game. And so I remember feeling a little intimidated by her. And so um, we're in her room and like one thing leads to another, long story short. But then, like, 
my deck is just like, no, I've checked out. I'm going on holiday. Call me when you're done. And so I'm looking at the thing like, are you serious right now? Like now of all times? And so I'm panicking, which isn't making things any better. And she's trying to calm me down. And if I remember correctly, it takes maybe another, I think in her case, maybe the third time is when things kind of go back to normal. And it's, I think I just needed to not feel intimidated. I wouldn't have thought that performance anxiety was such a regular and normal thing. It totally is a regular, normal thing. I can say this with confidence as a woman who has found herself more than once on the opposite end of a limp dick. Nia Ikwe Parks has some wise words for anyone feeling the pressure to perform. Love your dicks, but don't think that that they have to do all the work for you. (laughs) I want that on a t-shirt. You know, I honestly, like, look at that huge body you want to pleasure and you want to use your dick. (laughs) It's like painting a house with a paintbrush. (laughs) Or a toothbrush. (laughs) Toothbrush, yeah. When I say paintbrush, I mean the kind you use for art in school. Mm. The little ones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Our guests on this episode have been funny, illuminating, open, and honest. I'm feeling like quite the dick connoisseur now. (laughs) (laughs) No, but all jokes aside, what's really stayed with me in terms of all of the conversations we've had is how they don't think of their penises as the center of attention. Mm. You know, um, I need and want sex to be more than about the D. But it's been heartwarming to speak with men and people with penises who also think the same because that's definitely not like the dominant narrative right so it makes me excited for the future and that exactly goes back to what many people in this episode spoke about and how they felt about their penises and expressed how little it has to do with their masculinity mo summed it up when we asked him what his dick had to do with being a man not much actually not much what is a man is it's a construct as we all know well not all of us but as some of us know so it's it's not really about the dick you know it's about what you do you know what what you fulfill and um there's a lot of stereotypes when it comes to men and the most disturbing part is the those who believe in the whole alpha male thing it's wow it's just so crazy but yeah a man is just supposed to be part of the world, not to be ahead of the household or something. Just live and be with whoever and with no expectations. Like, you know, just forge what a man is by your own self instead of like maybe following. Because it's quite scary to me um, how straight men are okay with just like um, pointing, uh, their lives are laid out. Like, at 22, you're supposed to start looking for a girlfriend. At 25, then you can get married. At 30, you have like two kids. And now you have to work. And now at 40, you're supposed to have a house. Then cater for... No, that is so much work for me. You know? <laughs> I, <laughs> I am 30 now. And I don't see myself... I don't know. Even marriage is a thing for me. I don't know. It's a whole 
thing I need to come into. So yeah, a, a man is just supposed to be whoever he wants to be. You know? Yeah. Be whoever you want to be. No better way to conclude. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Adventures Podcast as much as we did making it. Until we return with another titillating episode where we discuss sex, pleasure, and everything else in between, stay coming. Charlie, that's supposed to be my line. Ah. Can I steal your line from time to time? Charlie, have we ever shared dick? Maybe we can share lines. I don't know. I mean, we're besties. We're besties! The Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women podcast is hosted by Malaika Grant and Ananda Kose Chiamu. Freddie Boswell is a senior producer. Fatima Derby is our associate producer. Written by Wana Udobang. Audio editors are Messi Barno and Tevin Sudi. Malaika Grant and Ananda Kose Chiamu are executive producers. The Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women podcast is a production of AQ Studios in partnership with Masi Media. Mercy Kidaga is our studio administrator and Sadi Chum is the AQ Studio CEO. Follow us on all our social media, that's at AQ Studios Podcasts. Our theme music is Damn, performed by Ria Boss. Music from this episode comes from Epidemic Sounds. Find Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women anywhere you get your podcasts and in the pursuit of all things sex, sexuality and pleasure, follow us on all our social media platforms at Adventures From. Thanks for listening.